0: The end of that second verse there, how for them he intercedeth, watcheth o'er them from the throne. Again, we'll, we'll be learning, we'll be reading about that in just a moment as, as we now turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4 for our scripture text for this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to be reading chapter four, uh, chapter 4 verse 14 through chapter 5 verse 10. So Hebrews chapter 4 starting at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Hear now the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obli- obligated Thus ends the reading of God's word. May he bless it to us. Let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, we ask that you will be with Pastor Mark as he speaks your words to us. And then in the words of verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Amen. So, As we come to our passage this morning, we are confronted with our problem of sin. And where that places us, before a holy God. And it also shows us the gracious lengths that our Heavenly Father has gone to to provide for His people a way out from it. First, under the administration of the Old Testament. And now, under the administration of the New Testament. You see, all people have sinned, and we are in need of mediation. Mediation. The wonderful truth is that God has given us our perfect great high priest in the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. As we now have the opportunity to look at from the vantage point of the letter to the Hebrews after hearing Pastor Bob preach from this, the perspective of Leviticus just last week. The son of God has come in the flesh and he knows what it is to be human. He has lived a perfect life according to the law. And has made the perfect sacrifice for all those who obey him. And This morning we are going to see that because Jesus Christ is the son of God. Who has come in the flesh and has been appointed to be our high priest. We are actually saved and we can have our confidence in him. And to do this we're going to be looking at three things this morning. First we're going to be looking at the grounds of our faith. Second we're going to be looking at our need for a high priest. And third, we are going to be looking at our high priest like none other. Again, that's the grounds for our faith, our need for a high priest, and third, our high priest like none other. So with this in mind, let's get started by first taking another look at the background. Since the last time we were in Hebrews was a a few months ago now, I feel like a little refresher is in order. So up until this point, we have seen that God has revealed himself to us in the person and work of his son in these last days. That Christ is better than the prophets who delivered God's word because Jesus is in fact God himself. That Jesus is, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature. We read that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That Jesus is above the angels. And that he is our redeemer. And we are to see that that these struggling Hebrew believers, as well as those of us here today, are not to neglect our great salvation offered to us in Jesus Christ. In fact, we're actually supposed to pay much closer attention to it, because if we don't, we shall drift away. The writer of this letter shows these Jewish converts that Jesus is better than Moses, because Jesus is the eternally begotten Son of God. While Moses was a servant in the household of God. He was a created being whom God used. We have been told that that we too are in the household of God. If we indeed hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope in Christ. And finally we see that it is only by our union with Christ that we can enter God's rest. So this brings us to our first point this morning. The grounds of our faith. So the writer of the letter to the Hebrews presents us with with the grounds of our faith here in these last three verses of chapter 4. And then he's going to unpack their significance later in chapter 5. In verse 14 we read, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Now think about all that's packed into this one verse. The writer is essentially summing up all what we have just covered in our recap of the letter up into this one pithy little statement. We see that Jesus is not just any high priest, but he is our great high priest. That is to say, Jesus Christ is on a completely different level. He, he's better. And, and why is Jesus Christ as our high priest on this other level? Because he has passed through the heavens. His mediation is so much better than the Aaronic priesthood uh, that, that we have been reading about uh, in, in Leviticus with Pastor Bob because Jesus Christ is from heaven himself. Jesus Christ is, is the co-eternal, eternally begotten Son of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. And his ministry of mediation is now in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. This is why we are told to to hold fast to our confession that Christ is the Son of God. Come to save and redeem his people from their sins. As we continue, we read in verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, so we do not serve some, some impersonal deity here, but one who intimately knows us because he is one of us. This, this is the importance of the incarnation that we spoke of during this past Advent series. Jesus Christ, our great high priest, carries out his duty of mediation as the one who has been tempted like us in every way. Jesus has endured the temptations of Satan after fasting those 40 days and 40 nights out in the wilderness. At the Mount of Olives, sweating drops of blood, he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he was mocked by the, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders as, as he paid for our sins upon that cross. The only difference being that, that all of this temptation was without sin. That's a major point. But, but Christ knows what it is to live in this world. Christ was tempted, yet he did not sin, allowing him to be our truly righteous, perfect high priest, according to the law of God. And this is why we can have confidence in him and the mediation, his, his representing the needs of the people of God uh, uh, before God as one of them. And he he provides this for his people. This, This is why the author of this letter can say in verse 16, as Brother Nick just read, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. It is because Jesus Christ is from heaven, because he is the Son of God, because he has been born of a woman under the law, because he knows us in our temptations, and because he is sinless that we can confidently approach the throne of grace. That, that, that we can come to King Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God the Father, asking him, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, to intercede, to mediate on our behalf, as our great high priest. And why do we come to this throne of grace? That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need that we may receive forgiveness for the sins that we have committed and be given grace to, to, to live faithfully in the future by the power of the Holy Spirit. It so says one theologian says in his commentary on the passage, the sinner who comes to the throne of grace and repentance and faith indeed finds the forgiving grace of Jesus. Now think about what this means, brothers and sisters. As another theologian points out, this is nothing less then a revolution in the fundamental conception of religion and one of the most important revelations of the epistles to the Hebrews. For only Christianity can give sinful creatures the boldness to present themselves before God. The fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ sits on that throne of grace at the right hand of God the Father after completing the work that was set before Him forever changes how his people relate to God the Father and their standing before him. By grace, we are made children of God and are no longer in need of any other priest after this because we have the best one that ever has been, is, or ever will be because he is there even now, this very minute, working on our behalf. So we see here in, in, in chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, this grand overarching reality of who Christ is as our great, perfect high priest. And the confidence and assurance that, that, that this should instill in these struggling Hebrew Christians, as well as us in the pews today. Now the writer is going to drill down deeper into, into what this means in the following verses. Which brings us to our second point this morning. Our need for a high priest as we start in chapter 5 we read for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to god to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins this verse is another one of those pithy statements that we need to unpack first we need to look at how a high priest is to be selected if we think back to what we have learned from pastor bob You know, Leviticus eight through ten and then Leviticus twenty-one through twenty-two, as well as other places such as Exodus twenty-eight and twenty-nine and Numbers sixteen through eighteen, we can see that that only Aaron and his line, the Levites, were to be the Lord's priests, let alone the high priest. Only men descending from, from from this line with the proper pedigree and the proper condition. That's to say, without defect, as as we heard about last Sunday, could one day aspire to be this high priest. They were to dress a certain way. They were to act a certain way. They were to marry a certain way. The high priest was, was instituted by God through Moses in Exodus 28. But, but as history progressed, the high priest is selected from men. And this office was only to be held for a time. For instance, in John 18, verse 13, just after the soldiers had arrested Jesus, we read, first they led him, that is Jesus, to Annas. For, as, for, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Second, we need to also see that a high priest is appointed. The high priest does not appoint himself. He is to be appointed. This is to be an office of humility and service, not pride and ambition, as Philip Edgecombe Hughes says in his commentary. This this is to be a calling. And lastly, we, we have to see what, what the high priest is to do, and, and why he is to do it. He is to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. This is to say that, that the high priest is to make atonement for the people, to, to pray for the people, and to teach the people how to uphold the covenant he is the only one who is to enter the Holy of Holies to make payment, for, for, for the, to make atonement for the people of God on the Day of Atonement because of their sin. What is sin, you ask? Well, as our catechism says, the shorter catechism, sin is any want of conformity or transgression of the law of God. Sin is, is not acting in accordance with God's law or even blatantly going against it. Brothers and sisters, we're all guilty of that. These gifts and these offerings are, are to cleanse the people for their sins, to, to reconcile these people to, to a just and holy God. And, and they enable them to gain access to that throne of grace that we just read about in chapter 4, verse 16. As we continue into verse 2, we read, He, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. The high priest does his work of mediation as one who knows his own weakness. He's not to be haughty or harsh with the people of God because he understands who he is and where he stands himself before our perfect, holy, and almighty God. Because of this, he's capable of sympathy. As we think back to to Aaron and his son's consecration, all the way back in Leviticus 8, we see that Moses had, had to wash Aaron and his son's And put their priestly garments on them. And then he anointed them with oil. Aaron and sons then lay their their hands on the head of the bull of the sin offering. And the bull was killed. And remember what Moses did? He took the blood and with his finger put it on the horns of the altar. and, And he poured it at the base of the altar to purify it. He burned the right cuts just right on the altar. And the same was done with the ram of the burnt offering. And then there was this ram of the ordination. And Aaron and his sons also laid hands on, on this ram and afterwards Moses killed it and, and, and he took the blood and he put it on the, the, the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and then the same was done for his sons and the right parts of this ram of the ordination were also burned on the altar. Bread with oil was placed in Aaron's hand for a wave, in his son's hands, for a wave offering. Then Moses made a wave offering with the breast of that ram. And they too were burned on that altar. And then finally, Moses took some anointing oil and, and some blood from the altar, and he sprinkled it on the garments of Aaron and his sons. And then he sent them away with a special meal instructions and told them to, not to leave, not, not to go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days. Until their ordination was completed. And it's only after this was accomplished that that, that he could offer sacrifices for the people on the eighth day. And he still had to offer a calf of the sin offering before he could make these offerings for the people. We see a similar sacrifice for sin taking place on the day of atonement in, in Leviticus chapter 16. Brothers and sisters, the, the high priest knew his condition very well as he represented the people of God because an animal had to be killed every time he went to do it. This is why we read in verse 3, because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of his people. As sinners, we, we all need someone to make atonement for us if we are to be right with God. And the high priest needed to make Needed this atonement, rather, for himself as well. This is also why we read in verse 4, And and no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. When viewed properly, this, this was a lofty office, not to be sought out for personal gain or advancement. Again, at this office's conception, Moses appointed Aaron because God had appointed him to do so in Exodus 28, verse 1. This was to be the spirit in which this office was taken. The office of of the high priest was created under the covenant of grace in order to to provide propitiation or this payment uh, for the wrath of God because of the sins of God's people and to provide this atonement, this this cleansing for them as well. The fact is that that God's people need someone who is like us, as to say a human being, in order to offer these sacrifices on our behalf. We need a representative from us. To make mediation for us. Before Almighty God. And what does all of this mean for these persecuted Hebrew Christians? As well as for us this morning? It means that while this office served as a type. Uh, as, as, a, as a foreshadowing of, of Christ to come. This office was flawed. It still pointed to something or someone else. Yet to come. This mediation and these sacrifices were constantly required because they didn't take care of the problem of sin. These struggling believers are being reminded of of, of why they left Judaism. Why why they're enduring all of the hardships of of leaving their synagogue and and leaving their families and, and leaving their friends for Christianity. They left for the better high priest. They left for a better mediation. They left for a better sacrifice, the one offered in Jesus Christ, the one all of those other sacrifices and ordinances actually pointed to. This brings us to our third point this morning our high priest like none other. Our high priest like none other. Excuse me. So, up until this point, now we have covered who Jesus is as well as where he is from. That he is one who can sympathize with us in our weaknesses in order that we may hold fast to our confession in times of hardship. And boldly approach our Heavenly Father with confidence because of Christ's high priestly office. And we have also looked at who the high priest was in the Old Testament. It is with these two things in mind now that we see who Christ is as our great and perfect high priest. We read in verse 5, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said, You are my son, today I have begotten you. This is now the second time that our writer to the Hebrews has quoted this verse from Psalm 2, the first being in chapter 1, verse 5. And in it we see that Jesus Christ, our great high priest, was also appointed by God like Aaron, but but Jesus receives this office as the eternally begotten Son of God who has come in the flesh as one like us to provide a better mediation for us. We continue as he that is God the Father also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now this quote from from Psalm 110 verse 4 that we sung about earlier shows that unlike Aaron, Jesus' priesthood is forever. Jesus Christ isn't limited to a year or a lifetime (coughs) for that matter because he has conquered the grave and is at the right hand of God the Father this very moment. As we go on reading, we see in, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. And days of his flesh here is referring to Christ's earthly life and ministry, not, not a loss of a material body. For, for Christ is in heaven at the right hand of the Father as one who is, who is like a still yeah, he is in his glorified body, a body that, that we too will one day be given at the last day. And, and during his earthly ministry, we see in the gospel accounts that Jesus Christ was tempted as we were tempted. He felt pain as we feel pain. And he knew life as we know life, though without sin, as we covered earlier. Because of this, we can learn from Christ's example in this verse. John Calvin, in his commentary on this verse, puts it this way. Whenever our evils press upon us and overwhelm us, we may call to mind the Son of God who labored under the same. And since he has gone before us, there is no reason for us to faint. We are at the same time reminded that deliverance from evils can be found from no other but from God alone. And what better guidance can we have as to prayer than the example of Christ? He betook himself immediately to the Father. His tears and crying recommend to us ardor and earnestness in prayer. For we ought not to pray to God formally, but with ardent desires. Jesus Christ shows us where to go with our prayers and supplications, even when we're at the end of ourselves, and how we are to do it. We're to do it with reverence. We are are to come before the throne of grace, that throne of grace that we can confidently approach now because of what Jesus has accomplished, that we read about in chapter 4, verse 16, as those who have nowhere else to turn, and as those appealing to the only one who is truly sovereign over all of creation, God Himself. We must surrender to God alone. Not only did Christ teach us who to pray to and and how to pray, but we also see that he taught us how to submit to and how to obey Almighty God in his earthly ministry. In the following verse, even though Jesus Christ is the eternally begotten Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he humbles himself and, and, and he lives that perfect life according to the law, the life that we were meant to live ourselves. Which is why we see that Jesus Christ is made perfect in his suffering. As we've already read about in chapter 2 verse 10 of Hebrews. And because of this, he is the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Jesus Christ is the high priest that doesn't need atonement for himself. Because he is the only high priest who was ever sinless. And being our sinless and perfect and great high priest who has conquered the grave. We no longer have need for any other priest to ever make mediation on our behalf. Much to the dismay of the Roman Catholic Church. Because being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek is significant because it is a never-ending priesthood. As we will, Lord willing, see when we get to chapter 7 of the book of Hebrews. So what does all this mean for us today, little farms? It means that we can trust our perfect great high priest, Jesus Christ. It means that that we don't have to worry about our salvation because we serve the greater high priest who mediates a better covenant and who provides a better sacrifice. It means that we can therefore hold fast our confession as we read about in chapter 4 verse 14. It means that we can draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need as we read about in chapter 4, verse 16. Because, brothers and sisters, our salvation is built on the high priestly work of Jesus Christ and nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. It's already been done. Because Jesus Christ is the only high priest we will ever need, because he is perfect and, and, and because he has stood in our place on the cross and, and because he has conquered the grave and because he is at the right hand of God the Father mediating, and interceding for us this very moment. He is our source of eternal salvation. We also have the comfort of knowing that, that Christ fulfills this office as one who knows our frame and, and who has experienced uh, the hardships of this life. He fulfills his office as one of us. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. He he knows where you're at. He knows how you feel. He shows you how to come to the Father with all of it. And he has opened the way for you to do it. I don't know where all of you are are at or what you're dealing with right now, be it a hurting marriage or a wayward child or, or a debilita- debilitating addiction or a terrible prognosis. But we have a Savior who understands all of it and who invites you to bring your prayers and supplications to the throne of grace in order to receive mercy and to find grace to help in your time of need. This is why we are to obey Him. This is why we are to devote ourselves to him. This is why we're here worshiping him here at Little Farms on Sunday morning. This is why these struggling Hebrew Christians were to endure all the hardships of of leaving a religion and a community in a constant cycle of of bloody payment. This is why we're called to leave behind the unbiblical demands of this world as well. Because the source of our eternal salvation is Jesus Christ and what are those things compared to, to eternity so let us all seek to live lives of obedience unto Jesus Christ for we know that those who love him keep his commandments let us live lives of obedience out, out of gratitude for the grace that has been shown to us by our great and perfect high priest may God grant it amen let's pray Father in heaven, we praise you for our great high priest, Jesus Christ, our Lord, your eternally begotten son who has passed through the heavens. We thank you that that he took on our flesh, that he stood in our place, and that he mediates for us even now at your right hand. We praise you for his sympathy and his care. Please forgive us for our times of doubt and when we fail to hold fast our confession. Please grant us clarity in who Christ is and what he has done for his people by your spirit. Help us to read of the glorious riches of the gospel day in and day out and help us to share this good news with those around us. Help us to be faithful. We ask this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen.